Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. Did you know that pornography doesn't have to destroy you or your marriage? We're the parents of eight active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we love to help people just like you. We're here to share hope and healing as we take you through our journey and the journeys of our amazing clients to greater joy and love. Come grow with us to a happier, more meaningful life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Self Mastery Podcast. Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Self Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Spafford, and I have today with me, Dars. Hi, guys. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. Glad to have you. Hey, so this week, we don't usually do this, but we, we really enjoyed Brad Wilcox's talk uh, in conference, and, and we actually reached out to Brad, and we were like, hey, I should say elder, no, brother Wilcox, because he's, he's not an elder. I don't know. It's, I think it's brother Wilcox, because he's... Because of his calling. But anyhow, we reached out to him and he wasn't able to come on the podcast. But we really wanted to talk about this pod, about his talk in conference. So the funny story about this talk is that, I don't know about you guys, but we were under the assumption that there was no evening session on Saturday. And so we actually didn't hear him give this talk because we had no idea that there was an evening session. So... When we went back and listened. We don't pay enough attention is what she just said. <laughs> we are not paying attention. Apparently, we missed the email that yeah. went out. So, And we happened to be at a life coaching retreat that weekend, and we were driving home during that evening session. But when I was Googling to find um, something that I wanted to look up from the morning session, I came across this talk, and I love it. It, it is pretty amazing. So we're just going to talk about seven points, seven items that Brother Wilcox spoke about that we often try to embody within our coaching practice so that we can just, you know, one, be grateful for Brother Wilcox and and the work that he does because he really has, I think, for many years. We're we're familiar with at least one of his missionaries from when he was a mission president many years ago, and his message has not changed. Yeah. As far as I can tell, uh, for many years, and I think he does a really good job. So if you have not heard this talk, like, because you're like us and you didn't, <laughs> you didn't pay attention to the email, then you should go back to listen to this. It's called Worthiness is Not Flawlessness. And the very first point that he makes that we want to discuss is God loves us as we are, but he also loves us too much to leave us this way. And this, th- I think this embodies somewhat the, the idea that, our Heavenly Father, we, like, we are worthy to approach Him. And we don't have to be somebody else before we can actually turn to our Heavenly Father and really have a, a good relationship with Him and enjoy the benefits of the gospel in our lives. And I think the first thing that we we recognize when we have that relationship with our Heavenly Father is that we want to be better. And that's, you know, that's the atonement. He's provided the atonement to allow us to do that. So we don't have to beat ourselves up to get better. We can just lean forward and move through the trials and the struggles and the difficulties that we've had so that we can become better without, without having to be perfect before we, before we can approach him. Yeah, I think that's a good one. 
Okay. The next one that we wanted to talk about was God's message is that worthiness is not flawlessness. And this is obviously the name of the talk, but he says worthiness is being honest and trying. We must be honest with God, priesthood leaders, and others who love us, and we must strive to keep God's commandments and never give up just because we slip up. So what were your thoughts on that one? I just love this because it's a perfect reminder that we do not have to be perfect. We do not have to be flawless to be worthy in Heavenly Father's eyes. And this is just a great example of how we as as a couple coming together or as a child, how if we're honest and open with those who are close to us about our struggles, then that is part of being worthy. That is part of the journey of getting to where you want to be. Yeah, and I think this is... Um one of those things that, you know, I talk about this often from the perspective of like, if your child is learning to walk, you don't yell at them if they can't walk. And, and our heavenly father, like if we're earnestly and honestly trying to do the thing, you know, whether it's eliminate pornography or just become a better human, then he's not mad at us. We don't have to be flawless. We don't have to, you know, meet some un- unattainable standard of reality before he, you know, lets us into his life. He is there for us and he wants us to grow and, and become better just starting where we are. We don't have to start from somewhere else. We don't have to like, you know, get ourselves over some imaginary uh, obstacle before he wants to let us in. We're like, just as we are, we can start moving forward. And when you slip up, like, um, like brother Cox or Wilcox says here, you know, um, never give up just because you slip up. That is totally the truth of, of, of the reality of everybody that we work with. When you make a slip up, that is an opportunity to learn. That's an opportunity. That, that That's a data point. What did we learn from that? Not why am I so terrible? So I love that. Okay. Uh, after he asked this question, you know, what's the use of even trying? Um, this was a, a, the boy this who young man was struggling yeah. with pornography. Right. His leader responds, you're not a hypocrite because you have a bad habit. It, you are trying to break, right? So you're not a hypocrite you ha- because you have a bad habit you're trying to break. And I don't think anybody's a hypocrite if they're earnestly working to solve for whatever problems it is that they have in their lives because we all have problems. I don't know anybody that doesn't have problems. My state president has problems. Everyone has problems. And if you're earnest, if you're trying honestly, then you know, you're not a hypocrite. And so Darcy kind of has this kind of complex where she feels like she has to tell people the truth about everything in her life. (laughs) True story. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you go to these meetings and there's all the ladies and they're like, oh, how are you doing? You're so good. You know, it's never like the honest answer of my life is terrible. (laughs) I have this struggle. It's always the, here's, here's the face that I put on when I'm at church. And one of the things that we talk about is, that she and I talk about, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but one of the things we talk about is just because you don't tell everybody your struggles doesn't mean you don't have struggles. Or that you're a hypocrite or a liar for not telling them. Right. I feel like I have to tell them (laughs) what happened. Yeah, tell them, I guess. So people love We had a Relief Society event this past week, and I got a a weird mole cut off my forehead, 
the top of my head. And you so you can't see it. Yeah. Even if you look, I, I look hard and I can't see it. Yeah. So it, we were worried that it could be melanoma again. And so my week was filled with By a we, lot of. She means she because. And I don't obviously worry the until dermatologist, or else they wouldn't have yes. cut it open and given me stitches. But at this event that I was partly helping, you know, and set up and on the committee, I uh, everybody kept asking me how I was, and I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm good, you know, doing good." But really, deep down inside, I was feeling like I was dying because I was waiting for the results of this melanoma. And so when I came home to Zach, I was like, "I feel like such a hypocrite. I feel so fake. Like I just put on a face and um, pretended that you know everything was great." And the good news is that the next day we found out while we were out on a date that it wasn't melanoma. And so that's the good news. But it's this like idea of, you know, we don't have to tell everybody everything all the time in order to be totally honest, totally honest. Yeah. But I think finding the people that you can tell is, is an important part of the struggle. Cause when you don't find those people, you, you really stay very, very lonely. And I think that that was one thing that you did really well when I was in the midst of struggling with pornography was like, you were like, hey, you know, I'm just going to tell my friends what's happening. I'm going to tell people that I trust. And good news, those people turned out to be really great support people in that they loved us and they were like, we, you know, we want to be there for you. And we are grateful for, um, for your honesty. And I think that's, I think that's a difference, right? Okay. Brother Wilcox goes on and describes a little bit of what, what this young man was doing, and, and he finally ends up saying, it was unhelpful and unrealistic for parents and leaders assisting Damon to say never again too quickly or to arbitrarily set some standard of abstinence to be considered, quote-unquote, worthy. And this, I think, this is the, I think this is one of the really common mistakes we make, especially as members of the church, you know, I talk to young men who are about to go on missions a lot and they're like, yeah, uh, it's three months. I got to, you know, I got to be totally clear for three months before I can go on my mission. And I think that's, I think that's in, in a sense a mistake. And I, I don't mean to impugn any bishop or stake president out there who like, that's your, your rule. And I'm not saying it's a bad rule, but I do agree with brother Wilcox on this point where it's like, you know, what, why is that set number of days the you know the, the reality that we're working for toward? Why isn't, as Brother Wilcox says earlier, honesty and progression the target rather than if you can you know manage to not touch your touch yourself for you know three months, then you can go on a mission. Um, I think. You know, unfortunately, I think that what that does is it breeds a dishonesty. It breeds an opportunity to be dishonest because it's like, okay, if I because there's lots of social pressure around this, and I, I, you know, I'm not saying that there's any excuse for being dishonest, but I am saying we with all these social pressures around us, is creating an arbitrary timeline worthwhile, or could we just say, hey? I can tell you're struggling with this. Let me give you all the resources I can, and then let's keep talking, and let's see when you're ready to go, and and let's make it up about the progress you're making, not about a specific set of days, and that will give you the ability 
to become the person that you want to be because honesty is paramount rather than, you know, that set of days. Cause I've seen it where people go that set number of days and then, you know, they get their mission call and they're ready to go. And all of a sudden they slip up again and now everything's in jeopardy rather than it being a conversation of, okay, so now we have some data now we understand what's happening. Let's, let's keep moving forward. Let's understand what happened in that moment. Let's learn from that and let's keep moving, moving forward. And I think wives do this too, uh, or spouses, not always wives, but spouses and individuals do it to themselves. Yeah. From the wife's perspective, I feel like oftentimes, you know, it's like, no, never again. Like, I need you to tell me that you are never going to look at pornography again. Right. And, And we want that because we want to hear, yes, yes, I won't. Right. Because then we can feel assured. Yeah. And some, you know, some form of safety or some form of hope or that it's okay that that we stay in this marriage or whatever we feel, you know, everyone's different. But the truth is, is that that's not super realistic, right? If, if your spouse has struggled with something for years and years and years to say, hey, by the way, you can never use that coping strategy ever again. And if you do, then I'm leaving with the kids. That's a pretty tall order. And it's... It- it's more likely to create dishonesty than it is to create a resolution to the issue. Yeah. I, I always, you know, I have a child that, you know, struggles with some things and he went into the Bishop and he talked about what he struggled with. And of course he got benched from blessing the sacrament. And I thought, wow, that is really quite brave of him because I don't know if I could be that honest if I knew that I was going to be like basically sitting on the bench when I was supposed to be up blessing the sacrament. And me as the mother was like, okay, well, how long are you going to be benched for? Like what's, you know, that was really hard for me because I'm like, my kid's being honest with me. He's telling me what's going on. Like that honesty is way more important to me than perfection because as long as the communication is open and there isn't hiding and lying, to me that is so much greater than never messing up again. Well, and I think, you know, there's probably a lot of people who are listening, you know, if there's a bishop listening and he's like, but, the, you know, what are the consequences? And there are other people who are listening who are thinking, well, what are the consequences? Uh, I think the consequences, you know, Brother, Brother Wilcox doesn't talk about consequences in his discourse, um, and I am not saying, please don't mistake anything I'm saying here. I'm not saying that, you know, as a bishop in your uh, position to make, you know, those decisions about being as a common judge in Israel, um, you know, please don't misunderstand or feel like I'm trying to impugn you because I'm not. Um, But, you know, I was having this conversation with my cousins when I was up in Alaska. And, you know, what are the two roles of the bishop? The one role is to be the common judge in Israel, and the other role is to be, uh, the representative of Aaron in the in in the ward, and what did the you know the high priest of Aaron do for the men? Darcy's giving me this look. She's like, I have no idea what the <laughs> high priest of Aaron did. Uh, was so he was the guy who offered the sacrifices in the temple, right? So his job was to intercede. His job was to, in a sense, intercede for the members of his congregation. And so it's 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 both a let me you know let me stand in judgment as as the common judge of Israel, but also let me pray to Heavenly Father 
um, on your behalf and as your friend, really, to help you get through this process. And I don't know many, very many friends where, like, the con- or where, and, and you know, again, please don't misunderstand. I'm not I'm not trying to impugn any bishops here, um, but I don't know too many relationships where um, you go in and you tell somebody, "Hey, man, I, I screwed up, and I, I need your help," and they go, "Well, let me give you a negative consequence, right?" That just that doesn't seem very natural. And Brother Wilcox doesn't talk about it, and I don't like. I've been in a bishopric, but I've never been in a conversation where someone confessed a sin to me. So I don't know that. I don't know that from a from a personal perspective. But what I do know, in terms of like my own perspective of sitting across from men who strove with me to resolve my struggles, you know, I have bishops who would like they would just take my recommend and they were like, let's let's punish you so that you can do a good job next time. And then there were other men who were like, I love you. I know this is a struggle. Let's go to the temple. Let's work together. Let's do the things that you need to do so that you can get better. And, you know, both approaches probably have their place. But it may be that we need to lean more heavily on the one approach rather than the other. And that's that's just my thought process. I'm not. That's not my job, and I'm not telling anybody what to do. But that's my thought process anyway. I just want to go back to the idea of the idea of never again or, you know, the arbitrary timeline timeline. Yes. Thank you. Because as women, it is really, 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 really hard to think that it's not just going to go away. Right. That it's not just going to be an instant, you know, we, we have this discussion, you tell me everything I still love you, and but I also have expectations of you. I think when we, you know, ex- essentially threaten things, right? We, as a way to try and control, right? If if we threaten divorce, if we threaten, um, you know, take the kids and move out, or, you know, all the different things that we might threaten. All the ways we might try to coerce a a, a very specific outcome. Yeah. It. it, it it oftentimes is not super helpful because, I mean, think of it. If, if something was so serious on the line as your spouse was going to leave you or take your kids or not be intimate with you for eons, right, what would you do? Would you try to hide it or would you try to be open about it? I know me personally, I would probably try to hide it because those things are way too important for me. And knowing that I am still a human and I'm, and I still have weaknesses. Well, and I think, I think this speaks to the very nature of, of like, what is intimacy, right? Do I want my partner to tell me what's actually happening or do I want them to make sure that I don't know what's happening? If that thing invalidates me, if I make that thing means something about me that doesn't feel good. And that's a tough place to be. I think nobody wants to be invalidated. I don't think. But if we can confront that, we're much more likely to succeed in the intimacy realm rather than create a scenario where, oh, we don't, we don't actually know what's happening and we don't make decisions based on what's happening. And I know in our relationship, as I've grown and I've been more willing to hear things that I don't necessarily want to hear, I've seen an increase in honesty in Zach. He's more willing to tell me 
the hard things. He's more willing to be honest about things, even if he knows that I'm not necessarily going to be super happy about him. But then I have to check myself and say, okay, like I'm, I'm really grateful that you told me that. And yeah, it wasn't easy to hear and it was hard, but I appreciate your honesty. And then it becomes this moment where we truly connect instead of pull apart from each other and essentially, you know, create discord in our relationship. Well, and I think that is, you know, to the next point that Brother Wilcox makes, it's, you know, some mistakenly receive the message that God is waiting to help until after we repent. And God's message is that he will help us as we repent. His grace is available to us no matter where we are in the path of obedience. And that, I think, is, that that's exactly what's happening here in our relationship, and hopefully what you can create in your own relationship is, I'm going to create this space of grace fully realizing and acknowledging the fact that you're going to do things that I don't like and I'm going to do things that you don't like. And if we can allow that grace to be there, it's much more likely that we can help each other become the person that we want to be rather than feel like we aren't enough for our partner. And and that goes that's a two-way street, right? Because I know that when I was deep in the middle of my struggle, I felt like I was never enough. And then, of course, for Darcy, a lot of that was, she didn't feel like she was enough because she was like, well, why, you know, why can't you just come to me? Why can't I take care of that? Why, why am I not enough for you when it comes to this, this situation? And back then, I really didn't understand that this was his coping mechanism, right? I, I did not understand that until years into our pornography journey. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think when you learned that, it gave you space to be like, oh, actually, I'm not like... This isn't about me, and I, I don't have to make this a problem, and I can let him solve this. And I'm not saying that this is easy, right? This is, it's really hard. It is, it's really, really, really hard, especially when you're so used to feeling a certain way, responding in a certain way. And expecting another person to help you feel those way, yeah. ways, right? Like, you know, expecting your partner to really validate who you are, and 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 I think it was hard because we didn't have these tools. We did not have the tools that we share with people. I wish we did because that would have been way easier. <laughs> yes, it would have. <laughs> yes, it would have, right? But now we do, and that's why we share these tools because if you can take these tools and use them for your marriage and make your marriage better and not – or your, you know, just your own growth journey if you're not married and not struggle the way that we struggled, then good for you. Uh all right, so the next point that he made, and this fits into grace, but it's another point on grace that we really wanted to highlight, which was his grace is not just a prize for the worthy. It is the divine assistance he gives that helps us become worthy. And this, you know, I love this. You know, I don't think as members of the church we talk about grace enough. And, you know, when you start talking about grace, there are some folks in the older branches of the of the of the church who are like they just like lose it they just don't get it because they're like well what about personal responsibility and i'm saying that from a very real experience that we had and the the truth is grace is it is one of the most important parts like it is it is what the atonement gives us grace is how the atonement works 
It creates that space. It allows that space to exist so that as we lean on it and lean into it, we can become more and more worthy over time rather than, you know, it's not like a magic switch. You still got to do your work. You still got to do your part. But rather than falling away and falling apart because I can never be enough, no, that grace is there and it is paid for everything that you've, you've already done and ever will do. And now you, all you have to do is focus on how can I be a better person? And I love that. that. That's my favorite part of grace anyway. And I feel like a little bit of an evangelical pastor right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. Uh, when you feel like you have failed too many times to keep trying, remember Christ's atonement and the grace that it makes possible are real, right? Christ's atonement and the grace it makes possible are real. And I... I can say this from my own personal, very real experience where I, I was certain I was a terrible human. And, you know, I, I've said this before. There was a moment, you know, I had been struggling and struggling and struggling, and I had done everything that I'd been asked to by bishops. I'd done everything that I'd been asked to by counselors. I'd been, done everything that I thought I could do through the 12 steps. And there was this very real moment where I was hoping that I could solve this problem. And I finally realized I could never solve this problem without this grace. And I finally had to like just drop this thing in, in Heavenly Father's lap, in Jesus Christ's lap, and just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to give the problem to you, and I'm going to work on moving forward and doing the right thing next time. Well, and I think when you, when you mean give the problem to you, it really was the shame. Yeah. Right. You weren't, I'm not going to just keep beating myself up about this. I'm yes. going to keep moving forward to being who I want to be and living my values and living in line with my morals. But when I do fall short, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I'm going to give that over. Yes. To the and handing that to him and just saying, listen, I, I can't, I can't solve this. I can't fix this. All I can do is move forward and do the next thing better. And that was a huge moment for me. So I, I, we loved this talk. We have actually spoken nearly twice as long or about twice as long as he, as Brother Wilcox actually spoke in his original talk. But we hope that this has been helpful to you to kind of suss out what it means to allow these concepts into your life, doctrinally, scripturally, uh, you know, holistically, and from a perspective of how can I be a better person? How can I be the person that I want to be? So... Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. Anything else you want to say? That I just, I love this talk. I, I have listened to it probably 10 times now, just over and over again, because I feel like it is such an inspired message that the younger generation of the church needs to hear. Every and, generation of the church needs to hear. Well, I know, but... Some of, really, us, some of us will adapt to it better. <laughs> really, I feel like this spoke to the heart of, I feel like, the younger generation in the gospel. And it was just beautiful. It literally, it's just so good. So, Yes. All right, you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Every day, Darcy and I work with amazing men and women to remove pornography from their lives and relationships. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey, let us help you. Sign up for a consult at zackspafford.com slash work with me, and you can set up some time for you or your spouse 
to meet with me or with Darcy, and we can help you get started on your self-mastery journey. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link and... If you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.